What are you ashamed of? Now, that's a pretty nosy question. But you know what? Even though we don't talk about it, each one of us has some shame. Maybe you had a demanding father that told you you would be no good and you've lived with that forever. Maybe there was something that you thought you should have done or didn't do and just been ashamed of that. Maybe you have a besetting sin, what the Bible calls a besetting sin that you can't get rid of and you don't want to tell anybody about it because you're ashamed. But you know what? I went into Strong's Concordance and found three really interesting verses in Romans. Everyone who believes in Christ will not be put to shame. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then Paul said, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love is imported into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And the core truth of the gospel is that God is looking for us in our guilt and shame and wants to rescue us. Well, that's great. So what do we do with this information? Well, I wasn't sure, so I called Raymond. (laughs) And Wes and I have been talking about this a little bit, and we're going to ask Raymond some questions. And I said to Wes, fortunately, we don't have to figure all this out. Raymond's going to give us all the answers. <laughs> if you don't know Raymond, he's a wonderful guy. I think I'm having voices. <laughs> he's a counselor here in um, Franklin, and he also writes the best column there is in the Williamson Williamson Herald page. Yeah, um, but let it's, me start it's, us it's off. It's a funny. By... It's a funny column. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's my comic relief. I'm a marriage and family therapist in private practice, and so uh, writing humor columns is how I stay sane. <laughs> so, Raymond, tell us, what's the difference between guilt and shame? We'll use that as a kickoff. Yeah, guilt, one of the best definitions of, of guilt that I know of is that we experience guilt when there is a discrepancy between what I've done or what I'm doing and how I see myself or the person I want to be. When there's a discrepancy between what I've done or what I'm doing versus the kind of person I know myself to be or who I I want to be. Um, So uh, when when we do something wrong, that is wrong for us. It's unacceptable. We we feel, and this are, there's a healthy guilt. Uh, yeah, there's a toxic guilt, but there's a healthy guilt because guilt has the capacity through the Holy Spirit, through conviction, to be a course corrector. When I when I experienced that that guilt, that that was inappropriate. That was wrong. That was that was hurtful. Um, you know that that guilt says that that's not who you are. That's not who you want to be. The reason that a sociopath doesn't experience guilt is that there's not a discrepancy between what I did and, no, that's the kind of person I am. But a a healthy guilt does this course correction and says, that's not who you are. Uh, That was wrong. 
you need to apologize for that. That was wrong. That's not who you are. That's not who you want to be. Let's not, don't, don't keep doing that. So a healthy guilt has a, a course correction. Shame goes to, to a deeper place and says, you didn't just do something wrong. You are wrong. You didn't just do something bad. You are bad. It has a labeling. It has a pr pronouncing aspect to it where it says you are flawed. You're pathetic. You're disgusting. You, you, one of the things that sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll hear or sometimes we'll even, even say, and by the way, just because something has a question mark at the end of it doesn't mean that it's really a question. So when someone says, what's wrong with you? That's not a question. The implied message there is, what's wrong with you is there is something wrong inherently wrong with you. You are flawed. You are defective. So guilt communicates that there is something inherently, uh, categorically, characterologically flawed, wrong with, with you. And that the message of shame says this. Because you are flawed, you are defective, you're, you're pathetic, you're evil, you're fill in the blank. You are not worthy of these three things. You're not worthy of love, respect, or belonging. Shame says, you are not worthy of my or our or the community's love, respect, or belonging. One of, the, one of the things that has been helpful to me uh, coming out of, a, of an Amish Mennonite background where uh, if, if something goes wrong in the room or in the family, the first thought is it's my fault. Um, and this is, this is not the result of Anabaptist theology. It's just the way that community seems to function has a, has a deep, um, uh, almost a love affair with, with making sure you feel ashamed. Um, there is a, there is a, uh, you, we have this phrase, you should be ashamed of yourself. And in German, we would say, du setz die Schema, you should shame yourself. Um, and, and so one of the things that has um, been really helpful to me is we've had um, these three, yeah, these three guys. Um, these brothers have been in a little uh, dinner fellowship group that has been meeting for 14 years. Raymond uh, hasn't been there that long, but Larry has. We found Raymond out wandering the streets of <laughs> Williamson County <laughs> looking for a friend, and we said, we gotta take this man in. Uh, so we went out to the highways and, and byways and compelled him. Uh, but, but we have, in the community of life, we have, um, um, we have a mitigation against living inside this identity of shame and guilt. And it, it, it can't be, it it's usually can't be done alone. It's usually, the healthiness comes, and the reason we do things like these breakfasts is so that you are not alone, so you can sit at this table over here and, and start making friendships that are deeper and start having a place to, to communicate the things that are in your heart. Um, I, I was telling Raymond this morning, I'm more interested in, in brothers uh, being able to talk about the sorrows of their heart than about the sin that's going on in their life. Because if you talk about those sorrows, you're gonna eventually get around to the confession um, that leads to healing. 
And, and if, if it's just a transactional thing, we're going to stay stuck in this uh, guilt-shame matrix, which are real deals. Mm-hmm. But we, there's, a, there's, an, there's a, a great escape hatch from this, and we'll talk about that. Right, right. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, it makes me think of it when we, you know, there's this buffet that we could choose things from. I want to, uh, and by the way, um, I'm, I have some talking points here that are really sort of an outline, and so we were talking before, since we have the mailing list, um, we'll email you the, the, the outline with some of the, some of the main points. Because um, I know what a, a memory issue that Paul Aldrich has. So Paul, you don't even have to be taking, <laughs> t- take, t- take, taking notes. Um, but the, the, the sources of shame, <clears throat> and I want you to listen to how many of them, but as you listen to this, I want you to, to think, because some of these are gonna resonate with you. Because the question is, um, not do I have a source of shame. I mean, we don't, you don't get to be our age, but that we've experienced stuff and that we have been on, on the, uh, well, I, I refer to them as sources of shame or vendors, the vendors of shame that have delivered shame to us. So I'm gonna go through these uh, quickly. Shame can be a response to something that happened in the past or it can be a response to something that is still happening currently. Shame can be my response to something I've done. So it's my personal responsibility. It's related to something I've, I've done. Or my response to someone close to me um, and, and something they've done. What we call shame by affiliation or shame by, by association. <clears throat> um, you know, this is an extreme example, but think about the parents of someone who has committed a murder, adult child who's committed a murder, the, 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 the shame that they right. <clears throat> experience, because one of the things that they imagine or, 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 or know that uh, is, is out there is what kind of parents? Right. So there's a, there's a shame <clears throat> by, by association. <clears throat> I have a client who is his, his mission seems to be to redeem the, the, the reputation of his family in the community because of the scandal of his father. So he has felt this shame, this family shame. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything bad. He was a child during that time. But people knew his dad and the family name, and he feels this shame by association and is giving a lot of energy in his life to uh, trying to rehab uh, that more than I wish he was. Uh, shame can be <clears throat> my response, and this is important, shame can be my response to something I've done or something that was done to me. Uh, I've been amazed in the last se- several years the number of men who this wasn't why they came for, for counseling, but have in, in the safety, the confidentiality and the safety, the, the environment of acceptance have acknowledged to me that they were sexually abused <clears throat> as a child. So you can experience shame from something that you've done, but we can experience shame from something that was done to us. We were not guilty, we were innocent, but the, 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 sh- the shame of, of that. Um, 
shame can be self-inflicted. Like, I, I could do, be doing something, have done something. No one really knows about it, very few, and I still feel, still feel, feel the shame. It's not coming from anyone else. Or shame can be socially inflicted in that the community or a person is saying, you should be ashamed. Someone re reminding us, uh, a, a partner or a spouse, someone re reminding us, and that's a shaming message, that I'm going to keep reminding you, I'm going to keep letting you know what, what you did. And that can happen from a, from, from a person or a community or entire, entire culture. You think about times, in, the, in the New Testament. A lot of times that's a control mechanism that people use to control you and keep you in your place because of whatever their need is to control their environment. Right. And sometimes we think, well, all right, well, that's in some culture, shaming has been thought, well, that, that'll be a deterrent. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the crucifixion was not just an act of punishment, but because it was done so publicly, it was a shaming. Yeah. Uh, event. Um, you think of uh, the the novel, The Scarlet Letter. She, you know, she's wearing the scarlet A. This this public uh, public shaming. Um, the, you know, the lepers in the New Testament. Uh, the you were to walk around with a, you know, like a bell and shout unclean, un unclean. So the, the the culture is saying there's there's something wrong with you. Remember what I said. Shame says you're not worthy of love, respect, and belonging. That was so evident in that, you know, the lepers stay away f from us. You're not worthy to belong with, with, with us. Uh, and then this last one. And, and, and by the way, um, very, very effective social uh, form of shaming is social, social media. I mean, you think of videos that have gone viral where you have thousands, perhaps millions of, of people saying, shame on you. My gosh, what is wrong right. with you? And I, I can't imagine having hundreds, thousands, millions of, of, of people uh, you're doing that, but people experience that. Um, and then lastly, another source or vendor of shame. Shame can be my response to something I did wrong. So sin or mistake or major, major error or something I'm unable to do. Mm. We forget about that one, but I see that a lot. That the sense of shame is not just something I d did wrong or am doing, but something where, that makes me feel inadequate, less, less than. And we can go through all kinds of uh, examples of, of that, but where I feel I'm not good enough. One, one of the things was shame by association, and I'll just tell you, the thing that went through my mind was I have a granddaughter that's transitioning to being no longer a lady or a girl. And I remember that my first reaction was shame by association. And I came to the point of realizing that while I may not accept that, I can't have a relationship with her by feeling that shame by association. And it's not necessarily an approval of her lifestyle, it's not. 
But the minute I feel ashamed, I'm going to break the relationship with her. Is that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And also have a break in the honesty of your relationship with your, with your fellows and with your, with your peers because um, the break in relationship with the, with the individual often leads to um, breaks in the relational, uh, relational components of other places in your life because you don't want to talk about this in the men's group or you don't want to sit in front of this group and say what you just said because we, f- we feel the shame or the embarrassment of it. And, um, you know, Raymond, you might have, are shame and embarrassment the same thing, or is there, is there much separation yeah, there? No, uh, yeah, that's a good question, because, all right, I could, you know, trip, trip coming on the stage, coming off the stage, and that would be embarrassing. Um, it'd be a big leap to say, gosh, I feel, I feel shame because of that. It'd be embarrassing. It's like the things that you know we've said. Well, it wasn't funny at the time, but you know if you were able to laugh about it later, that wasn't shameful. That was embarrassing. I will make a distinction. There's a difference between shame, although humiliation can be the attempt to, to shame. Humiliation. I mean, I can be embarrassed and hardly anyone see it. Humiliation really has to come from someone else, that the, that the intent mm-hmm. is, I, I want to embarrass you at, at such a level <clears throat> that you feel humiliated, that you feel stupid, that, that, that you feel something that goes beyond embarrassment, that you feel humiliated. So why do I have such a hard time um, with the sins <clears throat> of my youth that keep coming back um, fairly vividly in my mind. And I'm just embarrassed by them. I'm, you know, I committed adultery with a married woman. I did all kinds of crazy things. And those things keep presenting themselves to my mind. And I just go, why do we have such a hard time using, um, I think all of us have some example of this. Um, and why do we have such a hard time accepting our forgiveness, accepting this? Is, is it just because it was really crazy and when you think about it, it's just, oh my gosh, how stupid, how devastating, how destructive, uh, how self-destructive and destructive to the other people. Years, years ago, um, I wrote a book, I was asked to write a book on forgiveness, and one of the things that I did early in the book is I felt like I needed to say, what, what, are, what, what's, what forgiveness is not? Uh, and one of the things that forgiveness is not, although we like to say it, forgive and forget. Well, forgiveness does not imply <clears throat> amnesia. Um, and so whether I'm, I'm forgiving myself or forgiving someone else, um, I, there's, there's some things in my life <clears throat> that I have come to terms that I will always live mm-hmm. with a measure of regret. Yeah, good. Where I, 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 I went. There, there's some things that I tell you know, clients that... I, I, to, to have a realistic expectation of, of healing and moving forward for this, you're going to need to accept that when you think of this, it's always going to feel a little bit like a pinprick. But that's the difference between it right now feeling <clears throat> like a knife wound. But if you ever expect, you know, when you're reminded of that, you, you have a trigger that you don't feel that, uh, that the, the brevity of that, the intensity of that is the, the duration, the... Uh, intensity, the frequency of that is less than it was before, but if I expect, I'm never going to feel that. That's quite, you know, I don't use the term getting over it. 
but we, I, I, I think we have to, even as Christians, live with a measure of, I have regret, but I'm not immobilized by it by shame. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a profound difference. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, I read three verses that said, if you're in Christ, you don't have to have shame. Why is it that we do, and how do we get rid of it? Well, and, and I think one of the uh, unique aspects of the gospel is that it is a, it is a counter message to shame. Because if, if shame says you are not worthy of love, respect, or, or belonging, what you think of it in, in Christ's earthly ministry, and just, just let different people or, or groups come to mind how often <clears throat> he was involved in lifting someone up from a position of, of shame through his teaching, through his acts of compassion, even in his miracles. Even the miracles often were this uh, gesture of raising someone up from their self-inflicted shame or the cultural sh message of, of shame and saying, regardless of what they're saying or what they believe, what they've pronounced upon you, I love you. But when I was, a, I went to a Christian college and I remember a girl there who got pregnant and the college's response was to expel her and send her home because they wanted to protect the purity of the college. They weren't helping her in her shame. In fact, weren't they shaming her? Yeah, and that's what, you know, we, sometimes we think, well, sh shaming will be a deterrent. And oftentimes, we don't have time to go into this, but oftentimes, uh, shame and addiction, you know, it's, they're, they're connected, and, we, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? Well, at some point, it doesn't matter, but they're, but they're connected. Uh, but, but shaming as a, as a deterrent... Uh, is rarely very effective as a as a deterrent, and then what it you know does to the to the person, and then the, what I get to see as a as a marriage and family therapist is what that shame then does. As Richard Rohr says, pain that is not transformed will be transferred. Pain that is not transformed will be transferred into so other relationships. So we're coming to uh, the end of our time here so they can um, do the normal Puckett's uh, business and serve everybody on the street food who's trying to get in here. But a couple closing thoughts, and maybe each one of us has just a, a wrap-up uh, idea. Uh, Larry, you want you? Well, I, I think what's important is that God really does reach out to us. I, th I think, number one, we all have shame. I mean, I do. I, I'm sure you do. And you sort of live with it, and you don't want anybody to know about it. But God really does reach out to us, and that's the heart of the gospel, that God doesn't want us to be ashamed. Yeah. Shame has two ambitions, primarily. To indict us. You know, again, that the message is you're not worthy. You're flawed. You're defective. So the, me that the ambition of shame is to immobilize you by indicting you. And then one of the, the missions of that, and is so successful, is to isolate us. Mm -hmm. Brene Brown says that shame grows in the dark. And that means in our, in our silence and not sharing it, <clears throat> it, it, it grows. 
and when you bring it out into the light, shame is a little bit like a vampire, <laughs> you know? They can't can't ha handle, the, handle the light. What does that mean to bring it out in the light? I think it means to, 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 to share with a brother. You know, the scripture says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, th I think a, a little bit of poetic liberty with that verse might be to share the truth can also set us free. What you've just described in the early part of your uh, closing comments is pretty much um, the definition of a life sentence. And shame uh, intends to be a life sentence for us. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, the, in this um, thought uh, from, the, from, the, from the gospel. You know, Adam and Eve, when they actually did sin um, and, and what we call the fall, they were immediately in the presence of God. He shows up and they are what? They are ashamed. And rightly so, because they're guilty. Um, but it seems to me that in our, in our uh, modern Christian uh, addressing of this, we have, we have separated guilt and shame in an unhealthy way. Because Jesus came to set us free from both of these things. Um, I, I couldn't have made my confession that I made to you this morning a few years ago because I was too embarrassed, too caught up in the shame of it. I don't like that I have that confession or that history, but it is, it is the truth of, of my past life. But God has set me free. And so I can, I can sit here this morning and tell you about this and say we, we need to understand that um, Jesus gives us so many examples. The woman caught in adultery, she is filled with shame and filled with guilt. And he sends her away a new person, free of both of these things. Not free from the memory of the past, not free from the actual facts of her history, but free from the burden of the guilt and shame. That's what Jesus came to do. I want to encourage you in your, in your outreach to other men and to your families to keep in mind that, that Jesus does indeed renew us. He does set us free from our guilt. He sets us free from our shame. And what happens when that's the reality of your life, when that's the truth of your being and the truth of, the, of your way of life, you, you recapture a child-likeness by which it is, by, uh, a ch the child-likeness that invites us to participate in a fresh new way in the kingdom of the living God. Thank you for, for your time this morning. Thanks for being here with us. I, I just wanted to share one more little story, and that is, uh, some of this came out of a guy named Kurt Thompson who wrote a book, and I actually, we actually heard a podcast, which is very good. He said, if you're standing here and a little red wagon starts rolling towards you at three miles an hour, it's no big deal. You just put out your hand or your foot and you'll stop it. But if a car starts rolling at you at three miles an hour, you probably Third, can't stop 30. it. <laughs> well, well, no, same, thir oh, same, same, yeah. same three miles an hour, you can't stop it. What's the difference? It's mass. And shame has mass to it. And you can't stop it without other people helping you. You can't stop that car. You can stop the little red wagon by yourself. You can't stop the car by yourself. If you have 10 brothers with you, you can probably stop the car coming at you at three miles an hour. Shame is like that. We need each other to stop our shame. Peace of Christ. Go share the good news with others.